doing this morning. Since we can be conversational right now with fewer people in the room, that's good. Hey, um, this is also going to be the service that goes online today. So uh, good afternoon, early evening to those of you joining online as well. But if you're here today for the first time with us, my name is Taylor and I serve here at Cross as lead pastor. And we're thrilled to have you worshiping with us this morning. Um, if you are a first time guest, I hope you stopped at the first time guest tent outside um, so we could get to know you and welcome you and greet you this morning. And if you didn't have a chance to do that, just make sure you stop at this next steps table in the back corner um, as you leave this morning, because we just want to be able to say thank you for coming to worship with us today, uh, for joining in with us this morning. As you came in today, there was uh, words on the screen letting you know uh, that we're asking groups to leave at least uh, two chairs of space in between, so definitely feel free to sit with your family or friends as you're comfortable, but let's leave uh, adequate space as well in between those groups. There's way more chairs uh, set up uh, than we actually need uh, for the number of people that we're having uh, in the room, so if you, you feel like you're, you're getting a little bit too close to folks, just know uh, there's other spaces you can move to. The bleachers are set up in the corner. There's extra chairs available still in the back of the room. There are no rules in 2020, right? So you can sit where you want. Do as you please. Uh, and then understand uh, as well this morning, we do have kids in here with us. And so parents, I always just want to uh, just make it abundantly clear. It is perfectly okay. They're going to make noise. Uh, they're going to wiggle. Uh, they're going to move around. God made them that way. That's fine. And we're just super glad that they're here with you today. Um, but do know if they need a little extra wiggle, uh, there is an overflow room that's set up next door. There's also a TV that's set up out in the lobby. Uh, but plenty of space in this room. And just uh, for 2,000 years of church history, uh, kids have been with the adults. We only made that change in like the last 20 years we will survive, right? Like, let's just, uh, let's embrace the season uh, and, and welcome the fact that we have our kids in here with us each week um, for worship. As you came in this morning, you should have found a Next Steps card on your seat. These are important because they're the number one way that we communicate with you as a church family. Those of you watching online, uh, there's an online Next Steps card that's connected to this video on Facebook or on our website if you're watching on Vimeo. Um, but these are important because they let us stay connected to you. So if you have prayer requests that you want to share, uh, you're interested in getting more connected within our church family. So uh, right now, uh, a lot of our community groups, the majority of our community groups have resumed meeting. If you don't know what a community group is, uh, it's the number one way to get connected with others within our church family. Um, we would love to connect you to a community group. These are small groups that meet uh, in homes throughout the course of the week. And so uh, most of those have resumed meetings. Some are still meeting uh, online, just Zoom meetings as they're not quite comfortable yet coming back together in person. But uh, get connected to a community group. Again, even if you're not regathering with us in person yet, uh, you can still connect to a community group online. Uh, and this is a, an important step for you to get connected within our church family. So if you have prayer requests, want to get connected to a group, want to uh, look at volunteer opportunities within our church family, fill out one of these Next Steps cards, and there's a box in the back corner of uh, the room. Uh, next thing we usually have out on our seats are, on, are our uh, giving envelopes. Now, uh, the vast majority of our giving is already online. We shared this last week. We just want to say thank you so much to you as a church family for your continued faithfulness uh, in giving over the last um, few months. And just a, a big win is because of your faithful generosity and your giving, uh, even in the midst of this craziness, we were still able to bring on Cole Forest full-time as our uh, student minister, and uh, this past Wednesday night, for the very first time, Cole got to meet with students in person, and it was awesome. We had about uh, 25 high school, middle school students come out, he did a great job just getting them into to small group discussion environments, and so um, that is possible because you have continued to faithfully give uh, throughout the season, and Cole is just full steam ahead uh, with our student ministry right now, so thank you for that. Um, so again, most of our giving is online. Our website's crosscommunity.org, and it's easy to set up, uh, but if you do want to give cash or check, there's envelopes available uh, in the back corner of the room, and again, for those of you who are watching online, there's a link to online giving uh, that's been made available. Available as well. 
I also want to just give you an update. This past week, our, our staff did sit down, and uh, we started to uh, make a tentative calendar. I use that word tentative very strongly because we just know how things are right now. Uh, but we as a church family are doing all that we can to begin resuming just normal operations the way we typically would. Uh, so beginning uh, August 1st, we've revamped the calendar for the rest of the year. So for those of you who have uh, had interest in membership classes, uh, training opportunities um, with your volunteer teams, or, or just other training opportunities we typically offer throughout the year, any of our church-wide events, prayer nights, things like that, uh, we have set that calendar to begin August 1st. So uh, our goal through the month of June and July is just to, to make sure we regather together well. Again, it's still a very, very fluid situation, and so we're just taking it a day at a time, uh, the way most of you are, but just know in terms of our regular operations and activities, uh, most of that we're hoping is going to resume uh, by August 1st. So during the month of July, just stay tuned um, for those dates as we continue to reopen. But uh, man, we are mostly just glad to be back here with you in person. Um, we just, we're, we're just downright giddy this past week as a staff talking about how great it was um, to be with you. How many of you, this is your first time back since we've started regathering, or your first time here today. Fantastic. So let's welcome those who are back, uh, maybe for the first time in a little while. And, uh, and again, those of you who are online, who are watching this at home, if you're not regathering in the season, you've not done this already, make sure you fill out that uh, regathering form to let us know you're staying at home because we want to continue staying in contact with you and serving you uh, where you are. All that is linked um, to this video today. But we are so excited to worship with you uh, this morning. Glad to have those of you online joining us later today. Uh, let's stand together. We'll have our call to worship uh, and then we'll begin singing together to start our morning. We're going to start in Psalm 100 today. And if you would read verse 5 with me. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, and we read together, For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Father, we come before you uh, humbled by your goodness, in love with you for your goodness and your faithfulness to us. We are not faithful people. Oftentimes we are faithless. Uh, still, you are faithful through everything to us. And we thank you that your faithfulness to your people was to send your son to this earth to die uh, in our place, a sinner's death, so that we could be with you again. And so today we worship you. We lift our voices to you for your name. May it be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Lift your eyes to the maker of the
Amen. Welcome, everybody. Good morning. Uh, if I haven't by chance met you yet, my name is Matt Cave, and uh, I was uh, I was on the elder board, one, one of the first three elders that we had here in, in Cross Community, and I did my uh, my term, and then I took a little time off. Uh, but now I am back onto the elders board, and I'm uh, gracious, uh, graciously thankful to serve all of you through God's graces uh, and uh, uh, be part of uh, of what we have here at Cross Community. Um, and that being said, I wanted to remind everybody that. We do have a email uh, that you can get in touch with the elders directly. We're the only ones that, that see it, is the, the, the gentlemen that are on the elders board. So if you have a prayer request or if there's something that you feel needs to come to our attention that you know uh, you want to bring directly to the elders board, it's available for you. Uh, or you just want to talk or you just want to say hi, that's, that's totally acceptable uh, too. Because uh, we don't get a lot of traffic on that email, so if you want to just throw something out there, That'd be great. Uh, so in any case, it's, uh, it's elders at crosscommunity.org, uh, so you can get in touch with us there. Uh, but uh, this morning's uh, scripture, uh, scripture verse, it, and one verse, is uh, Psalm 23, uh, verse 1. It's on the screen behind me, so please uh, read along with me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Please pray. Heavenly Father, this morning I ask you to touch my heart and all those hearts that are here this morning. And Lord, just let us remember that you are the shepherd. You are the sovereign one. You are God. And as your sheep, that is so comforting, but it is also something that we must submit to. Let us submit to your sovereignty. And Lord, as your sheep, we need a shepherd. Through all of the pain and anger and frustration in the world right now. Lord, let us know that we cannot possibly want for anything because we have God as our shepherd guiding us. And Lord, I rest in that fact this morning. Lord, please open our hearts to your word this morning and, and bless Pastor Taylor as he delivers the message to us. And Lord, I ask all of this in your most gracious name. Amen. out there already, I invite you to turn with me in your Bible to Psalm chapter 23, and that's where uh, we'll be this morning, and Lord willing, for the next um, six weeks. Uh, Matt mentioned this just a second ago, but if you're new with our church family or uh, you're just not familiar with how our leadership is structured, we uh, believe by biblical conviction that the local church should be led by a plurality of elders, uh, meaning that even I as a lead pastor, I serve as a lead among equals, and um, so you have an incredibly faithful group of men who are leading behind the scenes and uh, every single week making key critical decisions that shape the, the current realities and the future 
um, of our church family. And so I hope you do understand as a church family, I try to remind us a, a few times a year, uh, your elder team does a lot more than read a scripture on Sunday mornings. Um, they uh, put a lot of time, effort, energy, and so the way it's structured is our lay elders uh, serve on for three years, and then they take a one-year sabbatical, uh, and then they're able to come back on after that. And so Matt just got off his sabbatical year, and uh, would you just join me this morning in saying thank you to all of our elders for how faithfully they lead and shepherd um, our local church. Um, that they are all uh, a blessing to me personally and to our church family. And I, I can stand here confidently today and tell you there's a group of men behind the scenes who work hard uh, to keep your best interest in mind and to make the very best decisions as the Lord leads them for our church family. Um, well, as we begin our time together this morning, I hesitate to lay out any sort of plans uh, because we know how plans are going uh, so far in 2020, but uh, it's hard to believe we are now coming into the second half of the year. Um, so Lord willing, uh, again, we'll see after this, um, we, we do intend over the next uh, several weeks to be studying here Psalm 23 and then uh, early fall, uh, we'll be spending a few weeks together in Acts chapter 2. Uh, our church, uh, like many churches all across the country, across the world right now, this is an opportunity uh, to just hit a hard reset button in a, in a lot of different ways. And so what we're going to do for a month as a church family is really just align ourselves with the picture of the early church in Acts chapter 2 uh, as the Lord continues to shape us as we, we begin to reemerge uh, back into regular gathering, Lord willing, uh, beyond that. And then uh, we're planning in uh, September, Sunday after Labor Day, to begin a message series in the book of Philippians uh, that I expect is going to last us through the rest of of the year. So that gives you a snapshot of where we're going. Maybe. Who knows? Uh, things can change again uh, very, very quickly. But that's, uh, if the Lord wills, our intention, our desire for where we'll be going uh, in his word for the rest of the year. And, you know, over the last few months, just in, in the midst of everything that's been happening and the uncertainties of it all, the second week of March when all this really uh, just started to, to continue to unfold, it became abundantly clear some major changes were coming. Uh, I wrote the words of A.W. Tozer on the whiteboard in my office, and they've stayed there the last few months. And the words say, a scared world needs a fearless church. A scared world needs a fearless church. Now, this year, we have lived through some of the most fear-ridden and anxiety-inducing months in modern history, and the events of 2020 have just left many paralyzed by fear. We're afraid for our health, we're afraid for our jobs, we're afraid for the economy, we're afraid for our homes, for our finances, we're afraid for our children, we're afraid for the future of our nation, for the future of our world, we're afraid of political unrest, we're afraid of injustice, we're afraid of civil unrest. And even in the midst of all of that, the church in America has faced many unique challenges of its own. For the first time in over 100 years, something has happened that has prevented us from gathering together, something that we all probably take for granted uh, in the culture that we've grown up in, just the, the, the simplicity of being able to come together for worship each week. We were prohibited from doing that for a few months. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, despite using language like requests and recommendations, there were uh, instances across the country where there were government officials who kind of flexed their muscles to try and actually prevent churches from, from gathering together. We're uh, fortunate this past week some of that was struck down as unconstitutional. I'm grateful to see that, but uh, the simple reality that that happened has left many followers of Jesus in fear of what religious freedom even could look like in our nation. But in spite of any challenge that we're facing right now, this is not the time for the church of Jesus Christ to retreat. This is not the time for the church of Jesus Christ to back down. And I said this back in March when all of this was, was getting started. And I stand by these words over the last few months. Everything that's happening this year is the very best opportunity for the advance of the gospel in this century. 
The Lord has given us an opportunity unlike any current generation has had over the last hundred years in particular. And we have something very unique that's been handed to us where it's abundantly clear the Lord is shaking things up. And this is the very best opportunity for the mission of the church and the advance of the gospel in modern history. So today we're kicking off this message series called Fear No Evil, where we're going to spend the next six weeks walking verse by verse through Psalm 23, because now more than ever, our country, our world needs a church that can boldly claim, I will fear no evil, even though it seems that we're constantly surrounded in the valley of the shadow of death. If a scared world is going to need a fearless church, then a scared world, a scared church is going to need a fearless God. And we see from Psalm 23 that the Lord himself is our shepherd. It is God himself who is our shepherd. He's claimed us as his own, and he's supplied us with all we need. So this morning, we're going to be focusing primarily just on Psalm 23, verse 1. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and read all of Psalm 23 uh, just to set the tone for where we're going to be going over the next six weeks, and then we'll come back and focus in a moment on verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23 is a psalm of David, and it's written out of his own deep satisfaction in the Lord and the experience of his presence and his provision and his protection. But it's also written out of David's own personal and practical experience as a shepherd. So before David was the hero who was slaying giants and becoming a king and winning wars, he was the shepherd boy who was out in the pasture that was tending to the sheep. And if John 3.16 is the most frequently quoted passage of scripture in the New Testament, then Psalm 23 is probably the most widely known passage in the Old Testament. You could actually make a case that Psalm 23 is the most famous and the most oft-quoted piece of writing in all of poetic history. And the promises of Psalm 23 are so transcendent because they address the three primary desires of every human being. This is why it's stuck for so long. It addresses how to experience a full life, how to die a good death, and how to know for certain that you will live for all eternity. And yet for many who hear these words, as famous as they are, they are no more than sentiments that are spoken at funerals that have no transformative power in our lives. And I just wonder, for as frequently quoted as this passage of Scripture is and as well-known as it is, how many of us have ever truly paused to consider the fullness of its implications in our lives? Psalm 23.1, David writes, The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. So we see first from this passage that we are his own possession. The Lord is my shepherd. For us to fully understand what it means that we are his, we need to understand who he is. We need to understand what it means that the Lord is our shepherd. His name Jehovah, as it appears here in this passage, means the existing one. God is eternally self-existing, which means ultimately he is self-defined. So what that means is you and I do not get to define God. We're not the ones who define who he is or what he is. God has fully revealed himself and God fully defines himself. And here's how he has fully defined himself throughout his word. 
We see that he is infinite and without origin. That's Colossians 1. He's immutable. It means he's unchanging. That's Malachi 3. He's completely self-sufficient. That's John 5. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. That's Job 11. He's omniscient. So he's all-knowing. That's Isaiah 46. He's omnipresent. That's Jeremiah 23. He's full of perfect wisdom. That's Romans 11. He's faithful to his covenants. Deuteronomy 7. He is perfectly holy. 1 Samuel 2. He is infinitely good. Psalm 34. He is completely just. Deuteronomy 32. He is merciful, compassionate, and kind. That's Romans 9. He's gracious. That's Ephesians 2. He's loving. John 3 and 1 John 4. He's glorious. That's Habakkuk 3. And the whole earth is full of his glory. That's Isaiah 6. This is who our shepherd is. This is who the Lord is. And that's why the psalmist can't help it to burst out with praise in Psalm 100, the passage that we read just a short time ago. It says in verse 3, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Not a Lord or a God, but the Lord who is the only God. This is the one who is our shepherd. And he's purchased us as his own at the greatest possible cost to himself. Here's how Peter writes it in 1 Peter 2. It says, he himself, Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed for you were straying like sheep. This is who we were apart from Christ. Peter says, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Christ has purchased a redeemed people at the cost of his own blood, bringing healing through his death on the cross so that we can turn back from our wandering to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. This is such good news for those of us who believe. This is such good news for those who believe. But even in the midst of that good news, church, there's a critical clarification that we need to make. Despite the popularity of this psalm, its promises are not for everyone. Dallas Willard has said, The Lord is my shepherd is a sentiment carved on tombstones more often than a reality written in our lives. Here's the key distinction we have to make this morning. Do not miss this. You can only call the Lord your shepherd if you have called on the shepherd as Lord. You cannot say that the Lord is your shepherd if you have not surrendered to the lordship of the shepherd. So when we look at the promises that are made here in Psalm chapter 23, as comforting as they are, we have absolutely no claim on these promises. We have no claim on this provision if we have not fully surrendered ourselves, heart and mind, body and soul, completely and totally to Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ is fully sufficient to cover the sins of all mankind, but it is only effective for those who believe. If we do not believe and have salvation through Jesus Christ, then what we find in Psalm 23 is nothing more than sentiment. We cannot call the Lord our shepherd if we have not called the shepherd our Lord. <clears throat> the prophet Isaiah said that we all like sheep have gone astray. This is the reality for, for all of us because of our sin, that we've turned from the shepherd. But the invitation to Jesus is that you can turn from your wandering back to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. Faith in Jesus Christ is possible specifically because he is a good shepherd, because he has tracked us down, because he has come after us. We looked at this passage just about a month ago here as a church family as we went through the I am statements in the Gospel of John. Jesus says in John 10, I am the good shepherd. 
I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. In many uh, historical and modern contexts, the way a shepherd would mark a sheep as his own is he would take uh, some sort of nail or some sort of tool and make a a unique and distinguishing mark in the ear of a sheep. That way, when a sheep went about and it it wandered among other flocks, the shepherd could quickly and easily tell, even from a distance, uh, which sheep belonged to him and which ones didn't. Now, this was obviously painful for the sheep, but it was also pretty painful for the shepherd uh, because sheep weren't terribly compliant. And, and, and so even as other sheep saw a sheep having this mark made, that they'd kind of turn into a frenzy, they'd start to run away. So it wasn't quite as easy as the shepherd just walking up and making the mark and, and moving on. What the shepherd would often have to do, the sheep would get scared, it would run, so he might have to chase it down, he might have to tackle it, he might have to wrestle it, he might have to, to tie its legs up, and the sheep would get mad, and it would bite, it would kick. And so it came with pain for the sheep, but it was also a great deal of pain for the shepherd. And, and the gospel tells us that Jesus is the good shepherd. Who, in spite of our running, who, in spite of our biting, who, in spite of our kicking, who, in spite of our attempting to flee from him and wanting nothing to do with him, at great pain to himself, at great cost to himself, he's pursued us and found us and he's marked us as his own. This is what we find in him. We are his own possession. The Lord is my shepherd. We are his possession. I shall not want. This means, second, he is our full provision. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Our shepherd is the Lord who is the self-existing God, and it's because he's self-existing that he can be all-sustaining. Because the Lord is our shepherd, what naturally follows is that we will have everything that we need. If the Lord is God and the only God and he is who his word says that he is and he is our shepherd, what naturally follows from this is that you and I will lack absolutely nothing. Charles Spurgeon said it like this. He says, we have all things and abound, not because I have a good store of money in the bank, not because I have skill and wit with which to win my bread, but because the Lord is my shepherd. These words, I shall not want, could also be rendered, I lack nothing, or I have all I need. You might find that in your translation. And this is really important. We we touched on this briefly last week, because there's a big difference between I shall not want and he gives me what I want. There's a key distinction we need to, to make here. The promise here is not to supply our wants. The promise here is to supply our eternal needs. So it wouldn't be wise of us to sit here this morning and interpret this promise that the Lord is just going to grant us every physical and material comfort that we desire. So I want you to think about this with me here for just a moment. If health and safety and material possessions, if these were the true defining markers of God's provision, that means he absolutely hated the prophets and his own disciples. Just, just think about this with me for just a moment. If, that's, if that is what marks true blessing, is health and material possessions, then he absolutely hated the Old Testament prophets and his own disciples. Because like, look at Elijah. Look at John the Baptist. Look at his disciples. Look at Christ himself. They all lived in relative poverty. They experienced physical hardship. They endured intense persecution. And the gospel is not good because it offers us good things. The gospel is good because it tells us we could lose every good thing that this world has to offer and we would still have everything we need in Jesus Christ. That's what it means when the psalmist writes, I shall not want. God's goodness to us is not proven with material and physical things. It's proven through the fact that we can lose it all and still have everything we need and be completely satisfied in Christ. 
I'm reminded of this as I look all across the world today and you see Christians who continue to face intense persecution and suffering. Back in May, there was a pastor in India who was brutally attacked by his younger brother who was a radical Hindu nationalist. And then just a few weeks back, there was a Christian family in Pakistan that was shot and critically wounded after purchasing a home in a predominantly Muslim neighborhood, which was their way of being told that they weren't welcome. Following Jesus does not mean a promise to have perfect health and abundance of possessions and to live a life of relative safety. As a matter of fact, a lot of our comforts can actually become our greatest hindrances in following Jesus. A few weeks back online, I shared an article from the website persecution.org, which just, uh, I encourage you to check out. It just kind of tracks a lot of the persecuted church globally. And there was a, a story about an Iranian believer named Zara who reflected on how much the church in the West has actually been hindered by its comfort. If you, you study what's happening in the church in Iran right now, it's amazing how the church has continued to explode and grow and thrive in the midst of persecution. Here's what Zara had to say about the church in the West. He said, to many of those people who were born in free countries, freedom has lost its deep meaning. When they open their eyes in the morning, they do whatever they want, and they take their freedom for granted. I'm an underground Christian now. I suffer different pains from my faith, but rejoice in Christ. I cannot mention his name without tears in my eyes. This is what it looks like to know that we have all we need. Everything of lasting eternal significance has been offered to us in Jesus Christ. There's a passage of scripture I like to share anytime I officiate weddings. It's from Habakkuk chapter three, and it really tells of the Lord's covenant love with us, but I think you can also express our covenant love with one another. And the prophet had said, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. I shall not want does not mean I shall have my wants, because here's the reality, church. We can have our freedom, we can have our safety, we can have our comfort, we can have our health, we can have our material possessions, we can have everything that this world has to offer. And if we still do not have Christ, then we lack the one thing that we need. But he offers everything that he is for those who are his. It's not enough to, to know these words as sentiment. Have you called on Jesus Christ as the total and complete and sovereign Lord and Savior over every area of your life. So, so what do we do with this today? I mean, how can we, as followers of Jesus, live in the satisfaction of the full provision that's been made for us by the Good Shepherd? I want to give us three challenges in light of that this morning. The first is to fill your mind with his word. Fill your mind with his word. It, it's uh, A.W. Tozer who also said, what we think about when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And uh, over the last several weeks, I did an online teaching series, those of you who, who followed along, called Rhythms of Grace, where we were looking at the spiritual disciplines, or uh, the word we use was rhythms that occur just out of the natural overflow of a heart and a life that is well satisfied in Jesus Christ. And I mean, something I believe that's become a bit of a lost art in our constant age of distraction, uh, of connectedness, uh, of always needing up-to-date information and, and things constantly changing and us needing to be totally in tune with that's happening. One thing that I think has really been lost is just the art of Bible memorization. I, I mean, let's be real. Like, we're being honest. A lot of us haven't memorized a Bible since the last time we got that gold star in Sunday school, right? 
Like for some of us, our kids have memorized more scripture in the past couple of years maybe than, than we have. And it's just something in our age of distraction and busyness, it's just become a, a bit of a, a lost art. And so uh, memorization and meditation are, are shown to us all throughout scripture to be the way by which we keep the word of God at the forefront of our minds. And moving to that place beyond just reading your Bible into actually meditating upon it, chewing upon it, asking questions about it, and then memorizing what it says, memorization is going to be the difference between your quiet time being something that happens for about 20 minutes in the morning or a reality that defines the rest of your day. um, As I was preparing this message over the last couple of weeks, I was thinking a lot about my great-grandmother. Her name was uh, Virginia Hicks, and she she passed away when I was uh, just about 12 or just about a week before my 12th birthday, actually. And um, I don't remember a whole lot about my great-grandmother. We didn't uh, grow up living terribly close to her, and so I got to see her, you know, about every year or two, maybe. And um, one thing I I do remember about my grandmother, she got older in her last year. She developed Alzheimer's. And uh, many of you who have, have walked through this with family members, man, you just know how debilitating it can be. And it's just, it's so hard to watch your loved ones um, walk through this. And, and this is what I remember about the last couple of years of my great-grandmother, is that she could not remember our names, but she could in an instant recall entire passages of scripture that she had memorized throughout the course of her life. I think that's what the psalmist meant when he said, I will hide your word in my heart. Just as this treasure trove of scripture that had been stored up in her heart and in her life and in her mind. And even to the point she couldn't remember her own family, but she could remember the word of God. I just want to challenge us to do something. I shared this again with the first service. We'll share it again with the next service this morning. I want to challenge all of us to do something over the next six weeks. If you've not done this already, it's to memorize the words of Psalm 23. Maybe do this as a family, uh, maybe as, as a couple, maybe if, if you're, you're single, just do this together with some friends or do this with your community group. You know, community groups, man, make it fun, make it competitive, you know, like uh, playfully shame each other if people don't do it, you know what I'm talking about? Like make fun of them. I'm, I'm not being for real serious about that, just a little bit shame them. And, um, and just let's, let's egg each other on, let's challenge each other to memorize the word of God because, man, 2020 has been full of so much uncertainty, so much strife, so much fear, so much anxiety. We, we usually in Invite it to live right in front of us for multiple hours a day. What better work could we commit ourselves to than to put that aside and to put the word of God at the forefront of our minds? So that as our world changes, which seems to happen about every 12 hours right now, we can immediately recall his promise that he is our shepherd. That we shall not want. And that even if we ever were to walk into the valley of the shadow of death, in that moment we could live fear, free from the fear of of evil. So we want to fill our minds with his word. Next, we want to focus our prayers on the kingdom. Again, in the midst of our uh, constant pursuit of information and breaking news and what's happening with the kids' school, like how many of us in the midst of all of this are allowing ourselves opportunities to pause and actually consider eternity? But we're so focused right now on the here and now. How often do you allow your mind to wander to the things of the kingdom, to wander to eternity, to grapple with the realities of, of life and death and of heaven and hell? If the Lord is our shepherd and we have all we need, how should we pray? Like, what should our prayer look like if we've been given all that we need through the shepherd? Well, Jesus shows us how to pray in Luke chapter 12. He's teaching a crowd on the danger of pursuing material possessions, material comfort, and filling up your lives with these things, and what an empty pursuit that can be. And so this is what he tells the crowd who's listening in Luke 12. He says, fear not, little flock. Listen to this. This is huge. For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The Father loves to give us the kingdom. 
We are his children. We are heirs to his throne. He says, it is his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So this is how we live in light of that reality. He says, sell your possessions. Give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow to old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. Fear not, why should we not be afraid? For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And that's why we boldly pray what Jesus instructs us to pray in the Lord's Prayer. Lord, your kingdom come. And we can be confident praying that prayer that the Father loves to give the kingdom to his children. By doing this, we're laying up treasures in heaven. This is how we can know that we're focused on the kingdom. It's when we begin to live with open-handed generosity of what we have now. So we lay up treasure in the there and then because the Lord is our shepherd. We have all that we need. We have all that we need in the here and now. So we live with open-handed generosity of his kingdom and focus our prayers on the coming of his kingdom. And, and last and most importantly, simply, is just to follow the Lord as your shepherd. Now, I was looking through my notes last night, and um, we had just looked at this passage of scripture a, a few weeks ago, and, and the Lord really just put it on my heart again for this morning, because I, I don't want us to miss this this morning, church. There's a challenge here that we can't escape from this morning because I fear that there are so many professing followers of Jesus in our culture who fit exactly into what Jesus is talking about here in Matthew chapter 25. So I just want to encourage you, turn with me in your Bible to Matthew 25. We're going to read a, a long passage of scripture here. It's in verses 31 through 46. Because what we need to understand, if it, it does us no good to live under some false sense of security that the Lord is our shepherd if he's not actually our shepherd. Because we need to see the work that the shepherd ultimately will be doing in judgment in regards to those who are not truly his. So this is Matthew chapter 25. We're going to read verses 31 to 46. Jesus says here, when the Son of Man comes in his glory. This is a reality. This is going to happen. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. But then here's the opposite side of that equation. It says, then he will say to those on his left, to the goats, depart from me. You curse it into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, you did not welcome me. Naked, you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, you did not visit me. Then they will also answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger, naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And who is the one who is doing the separating of the sheep and the goats? It's the shepherd. Sure, this is a, a call for examination here. 
Because here's the reality that you, you may fool me, you may fool your family, you may fool your friends, you might fool everyone around you, you might even fool yourself. When it comes to the coming judgment, there will be no fooling of the shepherd. He knows the sheep that are his. They have been marked out as his own. And I fear that there's, there's so many professing followers of Jesus in our culture who have absolutely no fruit that would evidence the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, absolutely no remorse over sin, absolutely no concern about the fact that they're living their lives completely contrary here in the Word of God, and yet they would still say, the Lord is my shepherd. How many people have bodies lying in the ground with a tombstone with those words engraved who in this moment are perishing in eternity apart from Jesus Christ? It does us no good to claim these words as sentiment. You cannot call the Lord your shepherd until you have called the shepherd your Lord. Until you have completely surrendered yourself to him, heart and soul, mind and body, everything you are to Jesus Christ. And if you've not done this before, I have to ask you this morning, why in the world not? You hear this promise? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Everything that you are pursuing in the emptiness of this world can be found a millionfold in Jesus Christ, and that's not even scratching the surface. He invites us to himself, even in our wondering, even in our kicking, even in our running, even in our biting, in our wanting nothing to do with him, not wanting to be marked as his own. He still pursues us, and he runs after us, and he rescues us and calls us his own. And then we can pray in confident, bold faith that his Father it's his good pleasure. He loves to give us his kingdom, to give us the good things that he's promised in this world. And so this is my desire over these next six weeks, that if, man, if these words are just sentiment to you, that this would move from sentiment into reality. You'll fully surrender yourself. You'll turn from your sin and faith and repentance to Jesus Christ. You can live with the confidence that every single promise made in Psalm 23 belongs to you. So as, as we begin to close this morning, I, the, the words of Psalm 23 are going to be on the screen. And I just want to invite you uh, to read these words aloud with me. And, uh, and then we'll use these words to lead into our closing time of prayer this morning. So Psalm 23, these words on the screen. Please, uh, please read this with me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is God's word. And if you belong to Christ, every promise that we just read belongs to you. The Lord is our shepherd, and because the Lord is our shepherd, we will have no lack. Everything that we need or could ever desire of eternal significance has been given to us totally, completely, and freely through Jesus Christ. So Father, we thank you this morning for the provision of a good shepherd who purchased us as his own at the greatest possible cost 
to himself. Father, I pray that all of us in here this morning, for every person who hears this message, listening online, Father, whoever hears these words, Lord, that we would move from the place of these words being a sentiment to being an eternity-changing reality. That we as your children could live right now the abundant, full life that comes from knowing you. Confident that we can pray boldly in faith and that it is the Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. Would we cling to those promises this morning? So listen, if you're, you're here this morning and you, you wouldn't consider yourself to be a professing follower of Jesus, that the invitation to you is so simple. It's to turn and come to the shepherd. To turn from your sin, to put your faith in him. In his perfection, in his life, in his death, in his resurrection, and then claim these promises as one who belongs to him, as one who's been marked by him, one that he will not let go. And if you are here as a professing follower of Christ, this this morning for us, it's a call to examination, to make sure we do not only embrace these words as sentiments, to make sure that these are not just words we recite at funerals, but realities that define our lives. And this morning, if you've been chasing after the emptiness of this world, the call is for you to return to the shepherd, to find where you've been seeking satisfaction from other things you'll find completely in Christ. So Father, that is our desire. We would turn our hearts to you, fix our eyes on you, and live in the contentment of belonging to you. So Father, now be glorified as we sing, be exalted in this place, as we lift our praise to you and worship you for your faithfulness. We ask all these things in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen, amen. Will you stand together with us as we close in song? Oh.
Listen, as we, we go this morning, I uh, do want to remind you, we're going to ask everybody to go out these back doors uh, in the corner. We just got to limit the number of folks we can have in the lobby at one time. We'll have another group coming in um, here shortly. And, and please understand, I know we, we do have to move out of the building a little bit quickly just to limit the numbers in here at once. But once you move outside, uh, feel free to stick around and mingle for, for just a little bit under the cut. Co- there's a covered area out here um, as, as well. And it's a little bit more of a walk back around the front of your cars. But feel free to, to stick around uh, and, and see one another and, and linger and, and talk. Don't feel like you have to rush off the property. We just have to limit uh, the numbers we have in the building um, right now. So as you go today, and then there's two uh, boxes in the back corner of the room. Uh, one's for uh, giving envelopes, another's for those next steps cards if you completed one uh, this morning. Also, our next steps table. Again, if you're a first time guest or just looking uh, to get more connected within our church family, drop by the next steps table. Let us give you some information. Uh, and again, those of you watching online, fill out that online next steps form. Your online giving link is there um, as well. And if you're not regathering with us, uh, we've attached that form as well. We want to know that you're staying at home so that we can stay in communication with you and continue serving you um, where you are. So, Again, thank you so much for joining us here uh, this morning. Thank you for those of you who are joining us online uh, a little bit later this evening. Um, and I uh, also want to highlight one thing I, for, I forgot to mention there towards the end. We do intend to take communion together uh, next week. We're taking a, a, about every precaution you can possibly imagine um, to, to make sure that we're, we're okay there. Uh, we typically, those of you who are new at this, take communion together each week. Right now, that's just going to be monthly. Um, so, so we will do that. So those of you who may be watching online and want to partake from where you are, uh, just make sure you gather elements throughout the course of this week. So uh, again, let's um, say together our banner verse from Psalm 45, 17, and then we will sing together as we close. I will cause your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore, nations will praise you forever and ever. Amen. Let's sing. Praise God. so much. It was great to hear you and to see you and we look forward to seeing you next week.